It's time for Inside the L, the podcast covering all things LaSalle athletics and taking you behind the scenes. And now, here's your host, Ed LaFerge. What's up, Explorers fans? That's right. You are listening to Inside the L, the podcast. Thanks to our good friend, Kevin Casey, our PA announcer for men's and women's basketball for recording that intro for us. You'll hear him on the outro as well. We appreciate you, Kevin, and all that you do. Uh, We're really excited um, to kind of kick off the podcast as part of a larger Inside the L series that the athletic department is doing. Um, We're going to, we did last year, a lot of the the written stories on our website. You're going to see that expanded. You're going to see some, some video feature stories, and then you're going to see this podcast that we'll bring to you every two weeks. And the way it's going to work is we're going to feature one main guest on the podcast, and that's going to be a staff member, a coach, a student athlete, a notable alumni within the athletic department. And then there'll be a piece of an alumni spotlight that we do each episode to kind of touch base with one of our alumni, um, see how they're doing, see how LaSalle has impacted them. So we're fortunate enough to kind of kick things off on our first episode uh, it only makes sense to interview the man himself, the AD, Mr. Brian Baptiste. And then on our alumni spotlight, we are going to be graced with the presence of our cross-country alumni Hall of Athletes inductee, Krista Plummer. So let's jump right away with our AD, Mr. Brian Baptiste. Brian, how are how you doing, man? Thanks for giving us some time. I'm doing well, Ed. Thanks for having me. Uh, no pressure being the first one. I got to make sure that oh, we got to make sure that this um, is, is nice and exciting and engaging. Um, but I'm excited to be here. I'm a I'm a huge podcast fan myself, so um, really excited to be able to do this. Yeah, you know, we're 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 excited to have your support and uh, you know have you on our inaugural episode to kind of bring fans and and student athletes and, and staff and, and alumni alike kind of behind the scenes for an in-depth look on things that, you know, we, we may not see, um, you know, kind of from the outside. So jump right into it. I think the biggest thing we have to talk about, it's been plaguing the nation for, you know, the last six months or so, the, the coronavirus pandemic. First and foremost, how are you? How's your family? You guys doing okay? What's quarantine kind of been like for you guys? Yeah, family's well. I think um, you know the the one really positive piece out of the the quarantine is that we've been able to spend a, a bunch of time together, right? And so, um, but you know, uh, my wife's been a rock star. I uh, wouldn't been able to kind of navigate this environment, you know, without her. And and you know, as I said, I think in my initial press conference, she's a point guard, you know, to, to, for our family, and um, so it's good to be able to to see the girls that are growing and, um, you know, being able to be home to see first steps of our youngest and, and as she continues to talk and, you know, just see the excitement, um, of our, of our middle daughter, um, as well too, with, you know, learning different things, you know, throughout this pandemic and, you know, being able to, um, once, you know, she's back at school now, so she's excited about you know, the ability to be able to interact with her friends. So, um, yeah. All good. All good. Good. All good. good. Good to hear. I mean, I think anybody who works in athletics knows the the difficulty with the long hours that we work to, you know, provide for our student athletes that, you know, we have to be really cognizant of that work work life balance, making sure we get family time in. So that that's awesome that, you know, you've at least gotten the opportunity to spend some time with with your wife and your kids. Um let's jump right into things like Week of the A-10 men's basketball tournament, you know, the women's season had ended at that point. Uh, you know, the men were getting ready to, to, to play a game later that day. Like, kind of give us a little bit of the background of how everything transpired. Really quickly, really quickly. And, uh, you know, we were having a lot of conversations, certainly leading up to the tournament. And, um, you know, I just remember – getting up there. Um, you know, we had a few conference calls before that. Um, we had a game the night before, two games the night before, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then we had a meeting that morning with, um, you know, as ADs and we had a plan to sort of move forward, right. And to continue to see and monitor and make sure that we were, um, communicating as much as possible. And so I, I remember, 
you know, sort of being in Barclays where we had the meeting and then getting on the phone and talking to some of our staff members. And then slowly I decided, well, I'm going to walk back to the hotel. Right. And um, I'm walking back to the hotel and just received the call to say, and, and then at that point you started to see other conferences cancel the, the, um, you know, the tournament, their tournaments. And then, um, you know, got a call saying, Hey, listen, we're going to move forward with, with canceling the tournament. It was, and it was really tough, but like, th that's literally how quickly it happened because we were planning. I mean, I, I remember being at Barclays and seeing, I want to say VCU was on the court and I can't remember who VCU was playing, but they were right. on there the was, court. There was a game going on when, when right. that decision was made. And, um, you know, so it was, it was just, and I don't think anybody realized that we would be where we are today, but it was so new and everyone was trying to do what made the most sense from a health and safety standpoint. We continue to do what makes sense from a health and safety standpoint. And so this decision was made to, 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 to cancel the tournament and um, just kind of remember walking back again to, I, I called Ash and, and told him and uh, we got the team together and, you know, we, we had a team, we had a team meeting and you can imagine, right? Like the guys were really, they were disappointed. Um, they worked really hard for the seniors. That was their last go round. Right. And I think when you, when you want to get some closure to your season, there's one thing, but when you feel like you really didn't get the closure, um, you know, I just only imagine how, um, how tough that, that, that may have felt for them. Yeah. I, I certainly sympathize with them. That's, it's not an experience that, you know, we, we ever want to see any student athletes go through. Um, you know, what was that whole experience like for you to kind of navigate through? Well, I think it was important to obviously communicate, right? Overly communicate. I think it was important to be there for our student athletes, right? And, um, you know, one of the things that we sort of talked about in the meeting, you can imagine it was an emotional meeting, right? Um, you work so hard and you uh, wanted to get the opportunity to be able to to, to play. And, um, and so um, just being there for them and, you know, having the conversation about like, listen, the, the game of basketball like doesn't define you right and, and although you're disappointed to just think about all of the things that you have done um you know within your time on our campus and you'll continue to do you know great things and you will be the beacon of hope for a bunch of you know future explorers and and people that look up to you and just um you know continue to be motivated to to do the right things but but i, I think it's it's about just being there, you know, for them and, you know, communicating and trying, trying to get them to understand, you know, what was happening at that point, like I said earlier, it was, it was so new. Right. And we didn't yeah. know as much as we know now. And, um, but it was, a uh, it was an interesting moment for sure. Um, something that, you know, I'll, I won't, I won't forget. And I, I can visual, visibly see, right being in the room talking to them and and the reactions and you know i think it 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 showed how close the team was right and it showed how much the the coaches and the staff members that were there really cared about them um you know but uh it's you know tough moment for sure when uh, certainly but, i but mean that, the, yeah. you know an un unprecedented time first time it's it's probably ever happened um you know men's basketball tournament then doesn't happen and you know conferences later start you know postponing uh the, the spring season um you know and i it's really like the domino effect i think it was you know one of the nba players had had tested positive for it and then the nba kind of canceled and it was the domino that kind of put put things in place and you know as we progressed through you know that spring semester with sports being postponed um, and, and then we get into the summer. How did that change the typical experience during that spring and, and through this kind of summer period as, as, as we are into September now um, for both student athletes and staff? Well, I, I think we all agree that there's a vibrancy on campus when you, um, 
when you have sports that are happening, when you see practices, right? When you, when we're able to walk around and interact with our student athletes and, and we're able to interact with our staff. And, um, you know, I just think that we miss that, right? That, that, you know, when the, when the weather starts to change, right. And you yeah. get that excitement, you're going to a baseball game, you're going to a lacrosse game, right. Or you're going to a softball game and, and you see some of those activities that are happening. It was, it was tough. And, you know, then we had to, to pivot, to figure out, well, how do we make sure that we're staying engaged with our student athletes, right? How do we make sure that we're staying engaged with our staff? And, you know, I don't think that anybody, um, we weren't experts at Zoom at that point, right? And so now we have to figure out, okay, we have to adjust, right? I, I don't think most people even knew what Zoom was before all this. <laughs> probably. It's probably true. It's probably true. So you think about, all right, so now you're, we're going through remote learning as well, too. So that's something new, right? Um, what you're used to doing as far as playing your sport, being around your teammates, practicing, you have a schedule in place. And so like all of those things are now adjusting. And so trying to figure out how can we make sure that we're still um, giving our student athletes the experience and providing some value to them and making sure that we're connecting with them as much as possible. Like the hope is that because of these, these, these um, Zoom sessions, we found ways to be more efficient. We realized that we can do things that we probably haven't been able to do before. We were, we were forced to, to embrace the change, right? Um, give us an opportunity to try to find innovative approaches to communicate and connect with, with one another. So I think like those are the positive things that have come out of it. Um, you know, I keep telling the staff that you have to take care of yourself, right? You, you have to, um, you have to do the right things, you know, take the time away. If you need to take the time away, use it as an opportunity to recharge, um, your battery, use it as an opportunity to, um, not shy away from, you know, the, the moment, right? Like, COVID and the pandemic can't make you hide, right? It has to be able to make you adjust to the current environment that, that we're in. And so um, I think like those are the positives that have come out of it, but certainly it was, it was different. It was different, right? And when you think about, we've been able to see staff members recently yeah. and they've been more excited than, you know, um, ever just seeing the, I think we take for granted that human interaction, right? And we take for granted the interaction that we have with our student athletes and how we're seeing them grow and mature as they, you know, matriculate through um, through our campus. So certainly interesting times, interesting times before, but I think it's important to, how do we find the positive out of this, right? And sure. how do we allow those positive moments to give us the momentum to be able to excel once we get out of, once we enter what our new normal would, you know, will be. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, th I think that is such a, such a crucial message for, for people to kind of understand is just to be as positive as you can with it. And, you know, we, everybody's learned so much, like here we are, it's, you know, the beginning of September, you're sitting in your house, I'm sitting in my house, we're on Zoom, we're recording a podcast, like, those were things that we didn't necessarily think we were going to be doing, um, or have the, the technology capable to be doing. So, you know, the fact that it's as simple as it is, I think it's, it's hopefully a, a positive step that a lot of people take from it. Um, you know, kind of moving into fall sports and, and, how the summer kind of transpired, you know, the Atlantic 10 announced on July 17th that fall sports seasons would be postponed until the spring semester um, with a look-in window, um, you know, coming mid-September-ish. Um, take us through kind of uh, the behind the scenes. How was that decision made? Um, was it similar to the decision? Was it uh, as quick and, and similar to the decision that was made back in March to, you know, um, nix that season and, and the tournament? So it certainly wasn't as quick, right? I think we have been really thorough in our assessment. We put together a, a, med a medical advisory working group, right? And, and, and it has representatives from each one of our respective institutions. And, and then I think everyone on their individual campus has put together like a task force, right? And we have one, obviously, in athletics as well, too, that also 
um, partners with the other task force that we have on campus. And, you know, it's funny when, um, when we, when we initially got into this process and we're creating the, the task forces um, and we're at home doing remote, when you talk about family, you know, so my, my uh, middle daughter created a task force for us at home, right? Because he's, she's hearing that word so often, right? So we got our own little, um, but so I, I digress. So, so back to, um, we were, it was really thorough. And I think we were learning so much more about the pandemic and trying to figure out like, what are the procedures that we need to put in place? What are the parameters, right? How do we return to our campuses? How do we handle the testing? How do we handle quarantine isolation? And all of those pieces, and um, really utilizing the guidance and the expertise from our public health community, our, our medical experts as we navigate the, the process. And it was really important to be able to get as many perspectives as we can, right? So you think about like, what's the perspective of a coach, right? What's the perspective of a public health official? What's her perspective from an administration? What's the perspective from um, sports medicine? And ultimately, we relied on the guidance that we were able to get from the medical advisory group as it relates to making the decision. And, you know, when you look at the trends and all the other things, it made sense for us to postpone. And it also made sense for us to be able to have an opportunity to have a look in window in case something changed in the positive direction. Right. And um, unfortunately, the the trends didn't necessarily change and the NCAA um, championships were shifted to, to the spring based on the amount of, um, of conferences that the stuff that, that, or the amount of sports that, that dropped below 50% from a participation standpoint. And so therefore the looking window, um, you know, was, was deemed moot at that point, right? If we're, if the championships aren't happening in the fall, right, it makes sense for us to move forward with, with planning for the spring and dedicate our attention in, in, in that direction. But really a thorough process. I feel really good about the way we got to the decision. Um, we use the data, we use the ex expertise from the individuals that are living in the space that have the knowledge that once again, have the expertise. And ultimately it's about health and safety, right? And, um, not just for our student athletes, but for the entire campus community, it's really important to, to make sure that that we are are part of our campus communities. And can we do everything that we can to to mitigate the virus? Can we do everything that we can to make sure that you know everyone on our college campus is is, is safe and healthy um, moving forward? So. You know, both men's and women's basketball schedules were not altered by the league's decision back in July. And as uh, as of right now, are, are, are we expected to tip off a schedule? Is that still still the hope? Is that the plan? So I think right now the plan is we're going to have a tip off. Um, as far as when that tip off will be, we're waiting on guidance. I believe September 16th is the is the magic date that we'll get some information from the uh the, the NCAA has to determine, you know, what does it look like? Are we staying on schedule? Are we postponing it? There's, you know, November 25th has been thrown out. December 4th has been thrown out. Uh, January 1 has been thrown out as well, too. So I know that they're doing the same thing that, that, that we've done as far as being thorough and trying to figure out what makes the most sense and how do we obviously make sure that our student athletes are, are safe and healthy as we, as we kind of go through the process. So um, I think everyone's excited for the possibility to, to play, to play hoops, right? We've, we've seen other leagues do it, um, whether it's the NBA, whether it's, you know, MLS, whether it's the WNBA. Um, and so hopefully can we utilize some of their experiences to get to a really good place so we can, we can have a, a college basketball season this year. Talking return to campus now, um, classes started Monday, August 17th, virtually, um, and ultimately went completely virtual uh, for the semester. Talk about, uh, you know, some of the factors that led uh, to that decision by the university. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately it was about, um, you know, you got to keep the campus community safe, right? And, and utilizing the trends that we were seeing and the trends weren't... Um, pointing in the right direction, right? And so I think because we, you know, moved the semester up early and it gave us an opportunity to, to, um, 
to really be prudent in our decision-making process. Once again, we have multiple task forces and working groups and, and, you know, the, the objective is to try to be as diligent as possible, use the data that we have, use the expertise that we have to get to a decision that we felt comfortable with. And so ultimately it made sense to, um, to go remote and, 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 you know, you see other, um, institutions moving in, in that direction. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a different environment for sure, but I think everything that we're doing right now is different than, you know, we've done it in, in, in the past. Right. And so it's, um, it's not a year ago. when I said, Ed, you have to wear a mask to go outside. You would have said like, Brian, what are you talking about? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, maybe not even a year ago, right. Six months ago. Yeah. No, I mean, when it first started, I mean, you know, nobody was wearing masks that we didn't know that that was, uh, that was a suggested guideline. Like that, you know, that came a little while down the line through the process. And, yeah. you know, I think that just shows how fluid this situation is and how changing and, 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 you know, the, the experts are learning different things every day about this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I, uh, the NCAA convention was in January and it was in, um, Anaheim and um, on my flight back, I stopped to try to see if I can purchase a mask to fly back, right? And and at that point, I don't think we knew as much, right? You started to hear some of the things sold out everywhere. You know, I tried, I think, nine CVSs before and, and luckily I had a red eye, so I didn't have a bunch of people on the flight, but, um, you know, it just... But now, like, it's it's the norm. You know, I think we have, I don't know, 25, 30 different variations of different patterns. And yep, it just yep. becomes it just becomes part of uh, part of our normal environment. So, you know, you, uh, you live and you just and you you sort of embrace the change as it comes. Yeah. Um, you know, with with students not physically being on campus, how will this alter the the academic support that our student athletes get like certainly they went through a little bit of this in the, the spring semester but now with a full semester of you know virtual learning like how is how is that going to change for them you know i think they'll they'll be fine right because the fact that we went through it in the spring and and i'm really proud of our student athletes when you think about what we did in the classroom as far as um you know uh you know 24 of our 25 teams right above a 3.0 and and the thing that we know about our student athletes, they're resilient, right? And they have to adjust on the fly because when you're playing in a competitive environment, it doesn't always go the way that the game plan may have said it was going to go. And so I'm really proud of the work that they've been able to do. Certainly it won't change the support that we're giving them. And, and I think we've learned so much from the spring, right? We learned some from the summer as well, too. And so we're able to go into the environment with, with Christine and Kate and, and really support um, our student athletes in, in the right way. But now they're, you know, they're, they're experts a little bit in how do you navigate the remote learning environment? What's the best location that you need to be in? How do you do your work? How do you do the time management? And luckily, like those are skills that they've been able to figure out even before we had to go into this environment. Um, but that may be somewhat of our, our new normal, right? That taking an online class just becomes something that happens, right? Now, maybe you're not taking all online classes, but when you think about how higher education or just education may change in general, um, you know, that's an adjustment that may potentially happen. So, Yeah, that, that learning curve period kind of out of the way for them, you know, last semester. We, we've got the, the athletic director of LaSalle University, Brian Baptiste, with us on our first episode of Inside the L, the podcast. We're going to take a quick break, and next you're going to hear from Krista Plummer, our cross-country alumni on our alumni spotlight. When we return from that with Brian, we're going to talk racial injustice. We're going to hear about um, some initiatives the department and the conference have going on, and then we're going to touch into Brian's year-in review. Just hit his one-year anniversary as the AD of LaSalle Athletics. I'm Ed LaFerge. We will be right back. (music) 
All right, we're back here on Inside the L, the podcast. I'm your host, Ed LaFerge. We're going to jump into our alumni spotlight feature. And for our inaugural episode, we have Krista Plummer, now Krista Lawson, uh, 2009 graduate from our track and field and cross country program. And Krista, thanks so much for, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Krista is a emergency room nurse at Einstein Medical Center, just a few blocks from campus at, at Broad and Only. And, you know, we thought it was really fitting to have Krista on during our first episode when, you know, you hear us talking to Brian about the pandemic and how it's affected, you know, student athletes and, and kind of our day-to-day operations. So, Krista, what's it what's it been like for you to you know, experience being on the front line and, and, you know, witnessing, you know, everything that this pandemic has, has really thrown at people? Um, for me and my coworkers, it's sort of changed how we do our jobs entirely. You know, everything's a lot different. We, from the start, kind of had to change the systems that we used. Um, and it's just really been eye-opening to see the stress that can be put on the system of healthcare and, like, how we have to handle that. It's actually, everything has kind of gotten a little bit better over the past few months, but there was a good probably eight-week period where we were running out of equipment. Um, We had no beds in the hospital, so anyone that came in that needed to stay was just staying in the ER, and uh, that was a little bit touch and go. So it was interesting to see, you know, like what the limits of the system are. And so certainly for you in in a a position treating these these patients and this pandemic and, and, and virus that you know, for the beginning months of it were really unprecedented. We didn't know how, how to treat it, how to, how to handle it. And so can you kind of talk about kind of like the ups and downs that you experienced as, you know, dating back to mid-March when things really got hectic in, in the United States to now when, you know, we are sort of flattening that curve, but still remaining with a, a relatively high case count? Yeah, I would say early on, the biggest thing was um, just kind of for myself and everyone that I worked with was just fear. Um, you know, we didn't really know how it was going to affect us and, you know, what what the future looked like. So every day kind of going in was very scary. Um, but, you know, our healthcare system is really great in America in that we kind of survive and adapt. So now we've kind of gotten to a point where we know what we're dealing with, how to handle it, how to safely handle it. And it's uh, it's just gotten to be a lot more comfortable, but it was for a while there, it was, it was scary. You know, you go in, um, you're coming face to face with these patients. We're not sure if we had the right protection. Um, and then coming home to your family. So that was, that was a big thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned kind of coming home to your family and, you know, um, what is that like? Like, what was the biggest concern for you coming home from work and, you know, having loved ones at home that you have to worry about potentially, passing this along to? So uh, it was really scary. Um, As a family, we kind of did a lot of uh, discussion about whether or not they would stay here or if I would live somewhere else. A lot of my coworkers did for a few months live other places. Um, But we kind of decided that, you know, we were going into it together and uh, we stayed together and luckily we've been healthy so far. So hopefully it's, it stays like that. But yeah, it was, it was a little bit scary early on kind of making that decision and not knowing if it was the right choice. Yeah. And, and, and so you touched on a little earlier, like, you know, you guys were in a situation where, you know, you were lacking equipment for a little while. And, and fortunately now, you know, that has gotten better for you, but how has that cha- kind of changed the, the normal day when you go into work? Right. I imagine now you're wearing a lot more protective gear than, than you used to probably. Right. Yeah, so we're currently working. We were working in N95s. Now we work in um, respirators, which are kind of similar to what you would paint a car in. It's like a big uh, face mask. Um, and I feel really well protected. I'm, I'm grateful that we have those because some of the other hospitals, hospitals in the cities have not provided that yet. Um, so, you know, that part of it has gotten a lot more comfortable. But really just kind of everything. We It was interesting to, for the first time, not allow visitors in. So you have people who are very ill, um, you know, some of them not expected to survive and you have to kind of tell them at the door that this is, this is, they cannot come in, you know, uh, that was one of the harder things that we dealt with. Kind of one of those things that we just kind of have been learning as we go. Yeah. And so like, I imagine, 
for your normal day-to-day shift, like were you wearing gowns? You probably weren't wearing masks or face shields, but now in the pandemic, that's kind of become the norm. Yeah, yeah that's the norm. You're never without a mask. Um, we're not to go into contact with any patient without a mask and a face shield, um, regardless of whether or not we think that they have COVID, because a lot of them do not have symptoms. So that kind of has, you know, we're in it all day. We work 12 and a half hour shifts and we're in it all day. Well, I, I personally want to thank you for, for all that you're doing on the front. And, you know, we're certainly proud of you at LaSalle for, for everything you're doing. I, I want to transition a little bit from, from the pandemic to kind of talking about you and, and your career at LaSalle. And, and um, you know, you went into the, the, the Hall of Athletes uh, in 2018. Um, like I mentioned earlier, you graduated in 2009. Um, you served as an assistant coach for a season in 2010, a year in which you went to the United States Olympic trials. Um, kind of talk to me about what LaSalle has meant to you as you've kind of progressed into your career. So LaSalle gave me opportunities that, um, I may have found other places, but I'm not entirely sure that I would have found them other places. Uh, it kind of, that's the place that raised me basically, you know, I mean, I spent the majority of my adolescent years into my early twenties there. Um, so those are the people that I learned from pretty much everything, whether it's in my career or just, you know, learning about life, like you're a kid and that's kind of where you get your moral code that you follow and, you know, uh, it kind of shaped me as a person. So what was, what was the experience like for you being able to, I imagine you were, you, you probably ran and, 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 did track probably in high school and then you kind of come to LaSalle and, and you get to do it. From my experience working with student athletes, like they do it because it's something that they love and something that they're passionate about. Is it, was, was that the case for you? Oh yeah, definitely. It was uh, a big part of who I am or who I, you know, that's just kind of how it was always for me. Running was a big deal for me. So I kind of found a home with um, the team there and uh, coach Torpy, Charles Torpy. Um, he was a huge mentor for me. So, um, yeah, I was just really lucky to find such a good community that was a really nice fit for me. You were named the Atlantic 10's most outstanding rookie um, at the Cross Country Championships in 2004. So you kind of came in and, pun intended, hit the ground running? <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah I, had a, I had a lot of success uh, sort of from the start, which was nice. It made it a really easy transition for me. Um, and it just, uh, you know, things kind of grew from there. I had a, I had a really great time while I was there, uh, both with running and academics and, you know, the social aspect of everything. I think it really, I, I kind of blossomed as a person while I was there. So touching a little bit more on, on Krista's achievements here, she helped the Explorers to four straight team titles um, at the A-10 championships from 04 to 07. Uh, over that time, she placed no lower than sixth individually, including three consecutive fourth place showings from 05 to 07 on the track. She was a two-time Atlantic 10 indoor 3,000 meter champion and was named the A-10 most outstanding performer at the 2009 outdoor meet and qualified for the NCAA outdoor East regionals in both the 5,000 meter run and the steeplechase. So, you know, we, we, we've seen recent success from our cross country programs. They went and they claimed the A-10 title this past fall. Um, and, and, and so as an alumni for you, what is it like to see the programs being successful? It's awesome. I mean, every year we're kind of looking back to see how they're doing, how they're growing. Um, sometimes you get to meet the athletes personally, but even if you don't, you know, I kind of read up on them every week, just see what's going on. And, um, it's just really fun to follow along. And then once they, you know, have started to have some success, it's really awesome to watch. They have a really good uh, group of girls there, so it's it's fun. So what is, what is one piece of advice that, I mean, obviously you, you had a decorated career here and, you know, you went to the NCAAs and, you know, what, what is one piece of advice that, that if you could give any members of the team right now that, that you would give, give them? I would tell them uh, just to embrace it. You know, you get, you think you're there for a long time. It feels like it's a long time. It's really not in the grand scheme of life. So just to kind of, you know, see what they can get out of it, give it as much as they can while they're there and um, make sure that they're enjoying it and using all of their opportunities that they get. If, if, if you had to go back and, and redo things differently, would, 
would you change anything you did? Um, I probably would have, uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. <laughs> Cause it, you know, like when you're in it, you're, it's a different age. I, I like to think I would have been a little bit more dedicated and, um, and maybe done a little bit more, maybe stuck with it a little, little longer than I had. Um, but now I think, you know, kind of when you're in it, I think I, I think I had a good run of it. All right. That's Krista Plummer, 2000 and well now Krista Lawson, excuse me, a 2009 graduate and LaSalle Hall of Athletes inductee in 2018 nurse at Einstein Medical Center, just a few blocks from campus at, at Broad and Only. Krista, thanks so much for, for joining us here on our inaugural um, episode of the podcast. Yeah, thanks for letting me be part of it. It's awesome. All right, we're back here with the athletic director here at LaSalle University, Mr. Brian Baptiste. Great to hear and catch up with Krista Plummer. Um, she's doing great things, working on the front lines through the pandemic. So certainly um, some great insight from her as to, you know, the things kind of going on. Um, let's be smart. Let's wear a mask. Let's, let's socially distance. Let's do what we need to do to, you know, flatten the curve and, and, and get back to where we need to be. Um, we're back on here now with Brian. And, you know, we talked the pandemic and return to campus and the effect that that had. And, and certainly there's been some other stuff affecting the country as a whole and, and talking racial injustice and, and social injustice and, you know, kind of talking about student athlete activism. Um, I, I feel like we see we see a different situation every couple of weeks, it seems, in the country. And, and you know, peaceful protests are going on and, and our student athletes have been participating in, in, in some of those. And um, they're utilizing their First Amendment rights to do so and, and speak out against these injustices. What, what's your message um, to the LaSalle community? Obviously, being the, the, the first black AD at LaSalle and, and, you know, you've, I'm sure, throughout your life have, have experienced some of this. So what is that message that, you know, you want to give to the entire LaSalle community? Yeah, I just think that there's an urgency of, to, to the moment right now. And ultimately, it comes down to not only do we have to do better, but we have to demand better, right? And so no longer can we have um, these issues continue to happen, right? And it's been going on for way too long. And I'm encouraged to see the passion that our student athletes have. I'm encouraged to see the passion that, you know, members of our campus community, um, they have as well, too. But we have to we have to do our part and we can't just do our part because it seems like it's the convenient thing to do right now. And we have to do our part because it's something that we're committed to doing, right? It's something about, we have to uh, denounce hateful speech and, and racism and Absolutely. we have to support social justice and we have to support um, mutual respect and, and we have to do it together, right? We have to, we have to do it together. We have to be, we have to become comfortable being uncomfortable. These aren't easy conversations to have, right? And so I think we have to be able to think about the next generation, right? And that's like that's what gives me some encouragement to see the young people on our campus standing up for what they what they know is right. And um and and and, and it's not about um doing what's comfortable it's about it's about doing what's right and so like that's how we have to be able to kind of move through in through this environment and we talk about we have to be able to do it together and we talk about um we have to learn right like we're all learning about i've taken the time to really learn some of the things that i didn't know and it's important for us to be able to figure out how do we not replicate the mistakes of our past right and that's why the education piece is really important that's why having conversations are really important that's why understanding that people have differences and they have different opin opinions but how do you come into those conversations with an open mind and then you know take the action um to really bring about some some meaningful change is it going to happen tomorrow um it's probably not gonna happen tomorrow right but we have to be really committed and committed with some conviction, right? Um, not because it, it seems like the, the end thing to do, right? Um, but is it, where, where are we five months from now? 
where are we five years from now, right? Where are we 10 years from now? Are you really committed to the to making sure that we can eradicate sy systemic racism and, and prejudice and, and all those things that um, are really hurtful to um, a group of people that 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 are are black and brown that that look like me that um, have been struggling for a really long time, and so it's it's going to take a lot of work, right? It's going to be some some mental labor. It's going to be some emotional labor. It's going to be some physical labor, and um, you know, I'm excited to be able to like lock arms with individuals that want to be able to do the work right and want to be able to have conversations in a respectful way and and see different perspectives but ultimately i think we have to understand from like a human decency standpoint we got to do better right and uh, you know two kind of two things that have come out recently because of, of these issues going on uh we'll touch first on the black ad alliance um, you know, the end of July, the creation of, uh, of the alliance was announced with you being one of the 50 plus ADs nationwide to join this movement. What are some of the goals from this group? Yeah, so I think it really started off as just an opportunity for us to come together and, and have a support group, right? And, you know, we were going through these these challenging times and, um, and a lot of unrest that was happening within our country. Um, but ultimately, you know, we want to be able to promote the advancement of other, you know, black administrators, right? And and um, how do we get more of those individuals in athletic director chairs? How do we create a pipeline to help support in the development and the empowerment of those individuals? How do we also make sure that we're not forgetting about the social justice causes that are really important, to, you know, to us and and I think as we go through that process, right, we realize that it's important to be able to have allies. And so how do we create strategic alliances with allies and other groups and other organizations to make sure that the, the numbers that we're seeing, right, um, the low numbers that we're seeing from an administration standpoint, how do we make sure that those things are increasing um, um, moving forward? And, and you know, we, we have different task forces and, and uh, we want to make sure that we also develop our, our student athletes as well too, right? Because if you see someone that is in a role that you um, aspire to get to, then you feel like you have the opportunity to do it, right? Because you oh, see definitely. somebody that looks like you, right? Or you see somebody that is doing it, so you have the opportunity to kind of pick pick their brains. And, you know, I think it's also important for us to not forget about, you know, our, our HBCUs, right? Our historically black colleges and universities and, 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 to make sure that we're supporting them as well too and, and the things that they're trying to do on on their respective campuses so i'm glad to be part of the group um i'm glad that we are are moving forward with doing some meaningful work and and hopefully as we continue to move through the the process and we look back right that we can see that there's been some impact based on the alliance that we've been able to kind of do it together um, as a group yeah, um, and and the Atlantic Ten recently um, announced the launching of a new commission surrounding racial equity and diversity and inclusion. What can what can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I'm I'm really excited about that. Right, that's an opportunity for us as a conference to really utilize our our collective resources and expertise. Right, and when you think about the communities that we serve and and the the commission is isn't focused just on athletics right it's it's a focus on you know improving our campus communities right and in, in, in improving our surrounding communities and so when you think about the the collection of the group um you know each institution has three members and so a four more current student athlete is one one of the members so to be able to get the perspective of of the individuals that we're serving right the other representative will be a uh, administrator on campus. So that could be AD, it could be a president, it could be a coach, it could be um, a professor on your campus, right? It can be, you know, any any administrator um, in, in that role. And then the third one is the uh, subject matter expert. So that can be somebody that's affiliated with your institution, right? As they, as an employee, so maybe a chief diversity officer, chief diversity and inclusion officer, or it can be somebody that's connected to your um, institution. 
that's working in the space, right? And so that's an opportunity to really get their expertise and, and use it as an opportunity to hold us accountable as we go through the process, right? And we want to have, we want to bring about like meaningful change and the ability for us to do it in a collective manner. I think it's really powerful and um, I'm looking forward to the work that we're doing. I'm looking forward to working with the other individuals on uh, their respective campuses to really see like what are some of the things that they're doing, right? And um, and maybe we can figure out if we have 11 out of 14 institutions that have a particular initiative, how do we get it so all 14 institutions have a particular initiative? And we can learn something from our various experiences. So I'm looking forward to the work where we're, we're, we're in the infancy of it, uh, but you see some of the things that are organically happening. Um, you know, there's a there's a men's basketball assistant coaches group that's doing some work. There's a uh, women's basketball student athlete group that's also doing some work. And like those are organic movements that started out outside of the commission um, and we'll be able to support them and, and, and grow with, with those groups. But like that lets you know the, the moment and how people feel about, you know, bringing up, bringing about change. And, um, you know, I would see more and more of those groups starting to, starting to pop up because, um, you know, I talked about the urgency and really the time is now for us to be able to do, to do some of these things. And I'm just fortunate enough to, to be a part of the commission and being able to work with president, um, Gormley at, at Duquesne, um, with this work and having the support of the conference as well, too. It, it certainly means a lot, um, to, to support these issues and and bring about the change that we sorely need in this country. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. It is change that we need, and it's change that needs to happen. So, you know, the fact that that different groups and 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 different um, you know commissions are are naturally forming to to really pro- provide some some guidance and some change um, that that's long overdue is, is definitely a positive thing um, going on. Uh, a lot of a lot of times when when we talk about issues like this, uh, voting is often something that um, is emphasis. Um, earlier um, in August, uh, the athletic department announced the Explore Your Right to Vote initiative, uh, giving student athletes a day off and uh, on election day, and providing the LaSalle community uh, with some voting resources on our website. What 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 prompted that decision? I think it's really important. It's really important to, we have to, uh, it's our civic duty to vote, right? And people have worked too hard for the right to be able to vote. And when you think about bringing about change, right? Think about the power that you have in your vote. So you think about what happens in, you know, if, if, um, if there's a district attorney that is in prosecuting a uh, individual because of a crime, right? Um, well, you have the ability to vote in that district attorney, um, and you know you have the ability to um, vote in your public officials because they're supposed to be serving the their constituents, right? And you know, being able to educate our student athletes about the power that they have in voting, right? Being able to make sure that we are being engaged as far as what can we do on election day, right? Are we gonna have student athletes that are gonna be poll workers, right? Which is what we hope, um, yeah, you know, are we gonna have um, student athletes to make sure that we don't have any voter suppression happening and not just student athletes, but our, our staff as well too. Like we have to be able to do our part and make sure that we're engaged as much as possible because people fought and died for the right for us to be able to have the opportunity to vote. And it makes a huge difference, right? And and as much as we can do from an education standpoint to reinforce the importance of it, we'll do that. But as much as we can do to get out into the community, to make sure that people have the opportunity to exercise their vote, that they are registering, that um, they aren't being pushed away from, you know, polling stations, that polling stations have, the polling locations have enough poll workers so they don't have to close, right? Like those are so many, those are some of the things that are really important. And I think we have an opportunity when we talk about, you know, providing the experience to our student athletes, right? Like this is, this is a moment that they have to realize that they have great impact and how can they use, you know, we talk about the, that, that 
physical labor as well too. How can they utilize that to make sure that they're making a difference um, yeah, in the community and no, the mean, country? Definitely, definitely a lot of, of importance said uh, right there from RAD Brian Baptiste. Uh, make sure you head to our website if you have uh, you know any questions about that process. Uh, goexplorers.com. Check out our social media channels at Go Explorers. We've got information and links there. Um, for, you know, not just our student athletes in the LaSalle community, but for, you know, any of our alumni or anybody listening, like, you know, we talk about the process of applying for an absentee ballot and, and, you know, how to register to vote. And, you know, we've got national reg- uh, voter registration day coming up, uh, later this month. So, you know, just, just be on the lookout for the stuff that we're putting out. Cause you know, it's, it's important. Brian said it. Um, we've got so much more we need to touch on with Brian, you know, we're going to have to bring it back for episode two, Brian. You know, we've hit so much importance here. We we still haven't even gotten into your year in review. We, we didn't get to touch on the success of our of our fall teams and you know some some A10 championship titles we brought back to 20th and all in the men's and women's basketball doing it. Academics you mentioned earlier we're, we're we're so great and you know community service numbers, new initiatives for the department. So you know we're gonna we're gonna have to find some more time to bring you back for episode two. Well, I appreciate you welcoming me back, and um, I'm looking forward to it. I had a, I had a bunch of fun um, being able to, to interact with you, and um, look forward to, to doing it again here soon. So I appreciate it for sure. Yeah, Brian, we, we appreciate you and, and your time. We thanks to our listeners for, for tuning in to our inaugural episode here of Inside the L, the podcast. That was uh, the athletic director at LaSalle University, Mr. Brian Baptiste, and we did our alumni spotlight. Uh, with Krista Plummer. We thank them both for their time and joining the podcast. Make sure uh, you stay tuned every two weeks. You know, we're, we're going to put out a new episode uh, to give you guys a behind the scenes look. It's going to vary from staff and coaches and student athletes, alumni. We're, we really want to provide our, our, our community and our fans with, with the opportunity to kind of see some insight here. Be safe, wear a mask, socially distance. I'm Ed LaFerge. We thank you. And we will see you next time on Inside the L, the podcast. Thanks for listening to Inside the L, the podcast. Go Explorers!